0: It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey y'all, thanks so much for joining me for session 58 of the podcast. I'm excited today to bring you a conversation I had with an amazing therapist in North Carolina, all about creating affirming spaces for sisters who identify as GLBTQ. Today, I'm joined by Adrian Michelle. Adrian is a licensed marriage and family therapist and queer person of color therapist specializing in working with youth, adults, families, and couples. She received her marriage and family therapy degree with a specialization in sex therapy from Thomas Jefferson University after pursuing a passion in sex education, where she found the community's representation was and continues to be very limited thus, creating barriers for the community to craft healthy relationships that mirror their myriad of experiences. She strives to continuously advocate for positive representation in all areas of sexual, racial, and gender diversity and inclusion. Adrian and I chatted about the fears that members of the GLBTQ community may have in reaching out for therapy, tips on how to find a therapist who is affirming, the work that still needs to be done in the Black community to be more affirmative, and some common vocabulary we should all know to create more affirmative spaces and relationships. If you learn something new or hear something you want to share during this episode, please make sure to share it on social media using the hashtag TBG in Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Adrian.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I would love any opportunity to talk about gender and sexuality, but especially with your podcast and especially how many people it's reaching and definitely reaching a lot of queer femmes, uh, which is what I identify as. So I definitely appreciate the opportunity to, to be here and talk today.
0: Yeah, so Adrian, if you could just start maybe like you already threw out some topics that maybe people are confused about. Right. And, and that's what I really want this to be like an opportunity for people to learn. You know, I think sometimes it can feel like really difficult or hard to ask questions about what you don't know about. But we do want to make sure that we are being inclusive and being sensitive to everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. so can you tell me like what is the difference between sexual orientation and gender presentation
1: yeah definitely so your sexual orientation um, I like to say that your sexual orientation is who do you go to bed with and your gender identity or presentation is who you go to bed as right so your gender identity is who you are who you present yourself to be Um, your presentation can include things like how you dress, um, how you wear your makeup, how you wear your hair. Um, Obviously, I feel like anybody could wear makeup and things like that, but in our society, it's definitely seen as a feminine characteristic. And so talking through what gender identity means, gender presentation means, and then talking through sexual orientation it's all very, very different things. And so we do get into um, a lot of conversations with individuals or parents about how seeing it separately can be really, really helpful.
0: Got it. And so, you know, one of the important things, and of course, this entire platform is all about like helping Black women to really be okay with therapy. And Mm -hmm. so taking that first step to find a therapist or to call a therapist can often be a very difficult one. And of course, if you are a member of the GLBTQIA community, then it may be even more difficult to find somebody who you feel like is going to be a good fit. Um, So do you have... Um, Any tips for someone who may be contemplating therapy, but are, are afraid of like what the process might look like?
1: Yes, because, um, you know, I feel like therapy has this connotation that is so scary, right? And especially with our, with our community, um, very much is like, just pray about it and let it go, you know, and it's so helpful to be able to talk with somebody who doesn't have an investment in your life, doesn't have any bias about the decisions that you're making, but can really, you know, make a decision or help you make a decision based on the goals that you set for yourself and the things that you want for your life. And so when looking for, a therapist but especially in the lgbtq community you want to look for somebody who's not only affirming but has done some work in the community um, i find that i connect more with therapists who work with this population or just lgbtqia therapists in general and especially people of color from events from activism events from going to your local lgbtq center um and things like that. And so if you want a therapist that's really affirming an understanding of the community, um, you want to really go through those avenues of talking to people, talking to people at a center, even talking with your LGBTQ friends about who they might be seeing. I find a lot of times that people are really quiet about being in therapy. And um, I know we're all watching shows like Insecure Now and You know, there's a scene in there where she's talking about one of her friends that's in therapy and how helpful and beneficial it is. And just talking to your friends simply if you are in therapy or talking about it or even thinking about it, that is the perfect way to start. Um, And then looking for a therapist, you could go on a website very simply, but just checking in those boxes to make sure hey, does this person, you know, is this person affirming? Because a big fear people have within the community is gosh, I don't want to go to a therapist and they don't know (laughs) you know my sexuality or they don't agree with it right and so i even find myself as things as simple as going to the gynecologist, right? My gynecologist constantly asks me, hey, do you want birth control? Hey, are you on birth control? Do you want birth control? All these questions without asking, you know, hey, what's your gender identity? Hey, what's your partner's gender identity? Do you need birth control? And so just asking those questions, you know, can be really helpful, but specifically finding somebody who wants to ask those questions. And so those 15-minute consultations that sometimes people will offer, take that opportunity to ask the questions that you need to feel comfortable in a space have you worked with lgbtq people before Um, are you understanding of trans identities are you understanding of some of the terms that i might use within my community what are your thoughts about it and so making sure that your therapist has that information but also If your therapist doesn't, it gives them the opportunity to say, hey, you know what, I haven't worked with the community before, I would love to, or haven't worked with the community before, and I'm not sure if I'd be a good fit for you. Because, again, sometimes that's an option, and you don't want to be with someone who isn't going to be the best of help for you.
0: Such a good idea, Adrienne. And you mentioned something um, that I think sometimes – is debatable, like, when we're in our graduate program to become therapists, like, this whole idea of, like, being a part of the community that you're wanting to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned, like, finding people who have done, like, maybe activist work in this space. And so I find that sometimes when you are working with more marginalized groups in therapy, it is important to be showing up in places outside of the therapy office so that people do get a feel for you.
1: Mm-hmm. And so that people know who you are. Um, I find that just working within the community, and I'm originally from New Jersey and Philadelphia. And so now living in North Carolina, it's the South, which is completely different for me. And rebuilding that community is something that I really still have to do of going out and showing my face because as not just a queer therapist, but as a Black therapist, there aren't very many. And so making sure that not only are you being seen, but you're leaving some room in your caseload for the community that you really want to serve. And I find that that is really, really important.
0: So Adrian, what are some of the concerns facing the GLBTQIA community that might make them turn to therapy or that they might find therapy helpful for? I mean, I think we often hear like, the only reason you might be coming to therapy is because you need to come out or something like that, which mm-hmm. is, of course, not the truth. So what, right. are, what are some <laughs> of the other issues that may come up for people in this community that, that therapy could be really helpful for?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I get that so much because people are like, oh, you know, if a gay person or a lesbian or a trans person is coming to therapy, they've got to be talking about that. And most often, they're actually not. You know, we're working on anxiety depression. And if it's around their identity, it's mostly around family work. Right. And so what I do is a lot of uh, family attached um, family attachment therapy, which helps bring a family back together through psychoeducation, which is helping them understand, right? If I have a a young african-american trans women in my office and i'm working with them to help not only them understand and accept themselves but to feel comfortable in themselves i have to also look at working with their family as well right and helping them understand um something i say really really often um and my mom is such an amazing advocate um and a supporter of the community but when she was in high school the the cheerleading skirts were down to her ankles (laughs) and so when i think about that i know that she really didn't get any type of sex education let alone gender education and that's what i tell the youth and the young adults that i work with all the time is be patient with your parents too because they haven't gotten this information and so sometimes it is just a smack in the face for them and they are not understanding not wanting to be um unsupportive but just not being understanding and so there's a lot of family work that goes into it something else i talk a lot about is when you're working with this community you have to think about the spaces that they're in right i worked in philadelphia where the streets are rainbow and there's a gay gayborhood and it's very welcoming in some areas right but in other areas you think about how affirming the spaces are are there lgbtq centers In this space, are there places for people to seek help or to be around people who look like you, love like you, and act like you? And that's really important for a community. But the first space that usually pops up, if it's not a center, it's a gay bar right and so thinking about substance abuse and how that is really embedded in the community because before there's an lgbtq center there's definitely a bar to hang out with and so you're developing these habits of oh these these are the small spaces i can be with in my community but it's also centered around alcohol or substance abuse and things that may not be helpful and so you're learning these habits that oh, I'm using this to cope. Being around my community feels good. Alcohol also feels good. And so we do a lot of substance abuse work, um, and the rates are really high within the community, but there's also got to be an understanding of it, right? It's like it didn't just pop out of nowhere. It's because we're not investing in the community in certain ways. Um, And I find that something else that uh, people might be coming in with are couples therapy, right? I work a lot with couples um, because I am a marriage and family therapist. And for couples who are identifying as queer and trans and non-binary, there is really not a blueprint for our relationships. And so really understanding the basics of your expectations of your partner, your sexual expectations of your partner, um, I find that that is a huge part of the conversation as well. And that's what a lot of people are coming to therapy for, communication with their family, communication with their partner, understanding their relationship, um, and. Since the only model that's really out there is this heteronormative way of thinking and way of being in a relationship, it's breaking through those roles, right? And so I find a lot of people who still identify within our community using these heteronormative ways of thinking in their relationship. And so if it's everything from gender roles, from picking up the check to uh, you know who's taking the trash out and who's cooking the food and things like that, there's more of a conversation to be had. It doesn't mean that. A masculine person or a feminine person needs to do that and a lot of the times those are not the identities and so where do we talk or where do we start the conversation about what your relationship looks like and so that's with friends that's with family Um, and one other thing I do want to mention is that sometimes the family won't be In therapy they won't be supportive and they don't want to talk through some of these issues but my clients still have to have that understanding to get through the pain and the hurt and the attachment injuries that have occurred and so something we use a lot is the empty chair method right where you kind of write a letter or you talk through something as if that person is there who has had such a huge impact in your life and so family therapy or systemic therapy without the system um, is something that I find really helpful with the community. So I know that was a mouthful, but there's so many things that might be different that that person is coming to therapy for.
0: Yeah, but also a lot of similarities, right? Like a lot of things that, you know, other people who are not a part of the community are coming to therapy for also. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah.
1: definitely. And so it's like therapists don't have to be scared. It's mostly the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it might be, you know, some different terms in there. But everybody's coming to therapy for issues with family or partners or friends or understanding themselves. And it's really, you know, it's kind of the same work. And so my part of my job is making sure therapists really realize that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned the whole issue with family because I definitely have seen that come up a lot like in conversations in the Thrive Tribe and just you know in the responses I get to um like some of the episodes and people who sending me questions it does feel like that there are a lot of questions around families not accepting people or, you know, like just a lot of tension in the family because they don't want to allow this person to be who they are. Um, Mm -hmm. So you've already kind of talked about like maybe using the empty chair technique in therapy, but do you have other ideas or strategies you could offer people who are struggling in some ways with their family?
1: Yeah, definitely. And so um, something we have in our community is called chosen family, right? And I know as African-Americans, we're so used to having our play cousins and whomever around us. But specifically in our community, we have, you know, your gay mom, or your gay dad, or something like that, where you can build your own community. I always encourage people who are in this space with their family not being supportive, because I think that um, from a very young age, a lot of people have realized that their family is not going to be their main support system, and it's not going to be as emotionally supportive as they want. And so you can spend a huge amount of your time Worrying and stressing and being really upset with them, or you can fill your life with people who make it worthwhile. And so, although you can never replace your birth mother, or you can never replace someone who holds such a significant place in your life, you can surround yourself with friends and people who love you and support you. And even using that time to um, bring them into therapy to help you understand yourself. um, Something I do advise um, for people within the community is ask your therapist if you can bring your best friend in, or your gay mom in, or something like that, to talk through some of the issues that you have. Because family therapy doesn't always have to be with those that are biologically given to you. Because sometimes, at the end of the day, you may not have a relationship with them, and you may not want a relationship with them. And so really coming to peace with that and understanding that we can do as much family work as we want, But if this person is going to be like this and be a disruption in your life, then let's look at some other options because you don't have to have negativity in your life and someone who isn't affirming and won't, I'll say won't understand, (laughs) I won't say uh, doesn't make an effort, but someone who is just willfully not open to understanding you. And that's just an unhealthy person in your life. And so I'm treating family that same way. And so building that chosen family is something that is truly, truly important.
0: So something else that you mentioned, Adrian, was, you know, a lot of the work that you do is related to working with therapists to kind of Mm -hmm. make sure that they get it. And I think that there is still a great deal of work for us to do as Black therapists Mm -hmm. um, in terms of really checking ourselves to make sure that we are not perpetrating some of these same microaggressions um, in an effort to help you know the queer and people the queer and trans people of color who may be coming to us for therapy mm-hmm. so do you have any ideas about like how we can like internally check ourselves or be you know making sure that we're checking our colleagues to push you know to make sure that we're doing the correct thing and being very sensitive in these spaces
1: yes definitely so the first thing I will always suggest is doing training opening your mind to help yourself really understand the community and what I say when I leave my training Trainings um, a lot of times and I've worked with Duke University, I've worked with Jefferson University, I've worked with so many organizations and their counseling departments um, and talking with them about how important training is and to understand. And I'm not asking you to change your views, I'm just asking you to respect the community and understand them in ways that will help them. I mean we've all taken this oath as healthcare professionals and so you want to do no harm and to make sure that you're doing that. And so the first thing would be trainings. Um, another thing um, that is really important is like a personal bias um, kind of training and activity. And I I also offer that in my five-part series as well. And it is really about looking at your life and how you would respond if your gender was questioned, if your identity was questioned, or even if your identity was taken from you. And so it's about having that real life experience of, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know what would happen without, let's say my mom, right? But in the community, somebody might have to move forward without their mom and getting them to think, wow, you know, if my mom didn't support me, how would my life look different? Depression would look different. Anxiety would look different. So many things would be heightened. And so this community is also really plagued with a lot of high diagnoses, you know, like um, bipolar disorder or even borderline personality disorder for being angry or having these outbursts without really taking an intersectional perspective of their entire life. You know, someone who's angry, what's going on in their life? Oh, their mom isn't supportive they don't have financial support you know their living situation is out of whack well of course that person is going to go through a higher level of depression Um, and so something for providers is to um, i have this worksheet and i like to call it nosy or necessary right to help you figure out what is making you what's really driving these questions and some things i would say is when discussing identities Be mindful of the systems of oppression that may affect your client, right, and so something as simple as going out with friends, which bathroom they're using, um, how they are presenting that day, will it be be okay, you know, will violence um, occur in this moment, and so really recognize the systems of oppression that your client might be going through. if you have a a client who comes into your office and is talking about their identity and really questioning it um, or identifying as trans, don't just bring up all the things that you feel (laughs) would be helpful for your client. I have some therapists that are like, oh yeah, if my client is trans, I have a full list to give them with surgeries and all of this stuff. And being mindful that every person who identifies a certain way is going to transition or move through their journey differently. And just because you identify as lesbian doesn't mean you need to go out and get a female-identified partner right now. Just because you identify as trans doesn't mean you need to lay down how you're going to transition and being mindful of that. Um, when talking about family, I really tell therapists to expand your view of family. And that's what I was talking about earlier, you know, what it what if it's not about their parents or their siblings? What if their conflict or their attachment injuries are wrapped in friendships, right? And being open to see how family and friends are really causing a lot of that. Um, Something else, again, when talking about sexual orientation, you want to forego that heteronormative thinking, right? And so um, I remember going to a therapist very, very early on, my partner and I, and the therapist said, oh, so you're more of the man. And that was like, ah, oh, you know, I was just so angry because I was just like, why why keep um, perpetuating these views of this heteronormative relationship as two women are sitting in front of you. And so really being mindful of not mentioning or not moving towards that heteronormative thinking. Something that is really helpful, too, is talking about pronouns. And I think that in the community, you know, we don't talk enough about what that means when you hear a she or a he or a they. And so I find that even if, you know, if you want to do something really, really interesting, go home to whomever your partner is, right, and tell them a story about someone who's female-identified, and then tell them a story about somebody who's male identified. And it could be the same exact story. You get totally different connotations from it. And so you want to ask about pronouns. You want to ask how people... Um, want to be you know, respected in this space. And so something I do when I introduce myself to people within the community or clients is I say, hi, my name is Adrienne Michelle. I use she and her pronouns, right? And so that doesn't put my client on the spot to share their pronouns. If they want to, they can, and that would be great. Um, But it opens up this space for them to know that they can share their pronouns and to open up a conversation about gender that they may not have been expecting. Something also I want to add to that list is when talking about relationships, so when you're talking about somebody's parents, you know, just say parents, you know, saying mom or dad, um, I find is really triggering for some people, even not people in the LGBTQ community. If, you know, one of your parents have passed away or one of your parents, wasn't in your life it becomes a harder conversation and so just asking about someone's parents or their siblings kind of opens the door for them to share more about them than you're asking. And also when talking about gender expression, discuss with them how they see themselves. Um, And when discussing things like hormones or something about body image, be mindful about why you're asking those questions. I always say this to therapists, you know, are you asking because you feel like it's really going to help the client? Or are you asking because you feel like you want to know, like it's going to create um, a fuller story for you? And so just being mindful and being able to check yourself. But again, trainings, but those things that I listed are something that I find really, really helpful. So are you being nosy or is it necessary information there?
0: That sounds like an amazing worksheet, Adrian. Maybe we can add that or add a link to that in the show notes if you're wanting to share that, Um, because it does sound like that is a very good conversation for people to have and to be able to check in with themselves.
1: Yeah, definitely. I will definitely go ahead and send that to you.
0: Yeah. So something else that you mentioned, and it sounds like there are a lot of very small things that we can do that actually make a very big impact for our clients, like opening the door to talk about what your pronouns are and just letting them know that that kind of conversation is okay to have in this space. Mm hmm. So yeah. I do know that, you know, like terminology and, like, making sure that we are, like, using correct phrases and things is really important. Again, very small touches that I think can make a very big difference. So can mm-hmm. you give us a little, like, crash course in, like, what kinds of terminology is appropriate to use and maybe some things that are not appropriate to use?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, So I also will send you something I have, which is called the Trans Umbrella, and it has all different kinds of... um. This lingo that the community uses in terms that can be really helpful. But there are really five terms that will really be beneficial in your practice if you learn them and have a great understanding of them. And those are cisgender, transgender, gender nonconforming, cissexism, and transphobia, right? And so cisgender is... When you are, um, what I'll say is when you're born, people say biological sex all the time. And biological sex is actually another one of the terms that are really helpful, right? Because biological sex makes it seem like the doctor has done some type of biological test to make sure of your gender, when in actuality we know that that doesn't happen. So something that we like to say is assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. So that would be a MAB or a FAB. So if your clients are saying a MAB or a FAB, that's what they're talking about: assigned female or assigned male at birth, and that just tells you what society has labeled your biological gender. Something else cisgender, that would mean that you still identify with what you were assigned at birth. So for example, I was assigned female at birth. I identify as female now, so I would be cisgender. Someone who's transgender, and again, that's an umbrella term, but that basically means somebody who does not identify as the gender that they were given at birth. So if I was assigned female at birth and I grow up to learn that I don't identify with that, I don't see myself as female, feminine at all, and I identify more with male pronouns or identify as non-binary, then I would be transgender. Gender non-conforming, that means that you're not conforming to the gender norms, right? And so as we see, a female is supposed to be dressed a certain way, act a certain way, look a certain way, and Society. That means that this person is not going to conform towards what is acceptable for female or what is acceptable as male. And that brings me to talking about binary, right? And so the binary is this idea that there are only male And female when in actuality we believe in more of a spectrum and so um, something else that's really helpful when talking about that is the gender unicorn because it really separates things in terms of your gender identity your presentation your romantic attraction and all of that and so it's very all-encompassing but gender non-conforming again meaning you're not conforming to either gender sexism is really important because of transphobia right and of gender phobia The thing is, this sexism does exist, right? I do have a privilege as being a cisgender person. And so I'm very mindful, too, in those spaces that I talk through um, because I'm a cisgender person and I don't want to take up too much space. But I do this work constantly for the community. I've been working for about 10 years. And so talking about cissexism is really important because we do have certain privileges that someone who is transgender does not have. And so that access to jobs, that access to health care, um, finding a therapist, being understood, even young kids going to school and realizing this is sexism there. Um, and so that's really important. And again, transphobia. Um, people are not understanding of trans people. And I've learned that being in the South, it's a completely different conversation. And so some people are not open to understanding, hiring, standing next to, or um, walking through life with people who identify differently than them. And so realizing and respecting your client when they're sharing with you this oppressive identity. Similarly, as you would listen to someone talking about their race. And so just being clear about that. Um, Another one that I would say that's important to understand is the term queer. And so as a black person, as an African American person, I have a very sticky relationship with that word. Uh, Being from Jersey and New York, we really didn't use that word. And queer was seen um, just as more of a derogatory term. But I find that in the and even more often now, the term queer is used really positively, and it can describe your sexual orientation. It can describe your gender identity in terms of saying, I'm genderqueer, very similar to gender nonconforming or gender nonbinary, right? And so those, uh, those you want to be mindful of. So if your client comes in, you don't want to say, hey, you identify as queer, maybe just ask the terms that they use. And so another term within the community that people use would be cutie And so that is Q-T-P-O-C, and that's Queer Trans People of Color. Right, And so some of your clients might use that term or even just use QPOC to describe themselves. And those are really, really important, just small terms to use. And of course, there are so many, um, but just for the sake of time, I'll go through that those terms. And then um, one more term that is really, really important to learn is intersex. And that is a term for people who have a combination of chromosomes, gonads, hormones, um, just intersex, internal sex organs and genitals that may differ from what you're expecting. And so people say intersex all the time, and of course we know the derogatory term for that used to be hermaphrodites. But in reality, there are more intersex people in this world then there are redheads. And so really thinking through, wow, (laughs) what does that mean? That means that we have had a lot of people who have been born intersex, but we are still using this binary. And being mindful that we might have to change our way of thinking as we learn more of the truth of what's, um, what's going on in terms of a gender spectrum. But it's definitely all about understanding. And if you find that you're a therapist, or as a therapist, you don't understand something, just ask your client because they're more than happy to, you know, help explain it. The worst thing you could do is have someone talking to you about these terms or about their identity and you not have a clue about what they're talking about. And um, for them also to have to um, have to wonder if you if you understand. And so taking that one down approach is really helpful as well.
0: Yeah, that definitely would be a situation where it would be necessary as opposed to nosy to ask a question. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I do think, you know, you mentioned the importance of training and I just want to underscore that because I do think, you know, we are always learning more. um, Mm -hmm. And it really is important to kind of make sure that we're kind of getting the latest information so that we are able to kind of assist as many clients as possible.
1: Yeah, and I find that, you know, trainings are hard to come by. Even um, I used to work in Philadelphia, and so the trainings were pretty much mandatory for a lot of nonprofit organizations. Um, And even moving down to North Carolina, um, I started working for this program and developing something that was really geared towards education, but not just in the healthcare field, but in a corporate field as well. Because what you have is a lot of people identifying differently in the workplace and then not being respected. And we know there aren't a lot of laws that are really helpful with that. Um, And so I just want to say that the books that I find helpful, if you can't find training that is Close by or affordable because, again, it can be expensive because it's not mandatory training and it's not something that's typically offered um, in a graduate program. But a book that I always use is Trans Bodies, Trans Cells, and it's a resource for the transgender community, but it has a lot of information about mental health resources, about body resources, about depression, about anxiety, about dysphoria as well. And so, being sure that you know you have something like that on hand and for parents there are books like the transgender teen or raising the transgender child or for people who are just understanding um, their gender we have the gender quest workbook and so that's a workbook for like smaller children but always keep reading and training and understanding and reaching out for supervision which is also something that we offer so um, a lot of like hands on deck here to help make sure we're not doing any harm to the community as well.
0: Yeah, so you've offered some books that it sounds like may be helpful for therapists, but do you have books for non-therapists that you really enjoy that you think would be a good resource?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So there is a book that's really interesting Um, called Girl Sex 101. And as though it sounds really, really binary, I find that it is a very neutral way to talk about sex, to talk about bodies, to talk about yourself. Um, in terms of um, sexuality. Um, Another book that I find helpful, and this is a two-part book, actually, for partners um, who might be identifying as trans, and one is called Hung in the Middle. Um, And the other one is called My Husband Looks Better, in women's clothing or in lingerie. And I find that helpful for couples. Again, Trans Body, Trans selves is really good for individuals but can also be really good for, for therapists. So for clients, Trans bodies, Trans selves as well, it's a really good book to help them understand themselves. And another plug I would say is YouTube. Um, a lot of people aren't writing that much information about the community and about the intersection of black people and I, these queer identities or trans identities. And so going on YouTube and researching and really looking at people like Teek Milan and his wife, um, Kim Kach, Trin, I believe her name is, and looking at YouTube and looking at people really living their lives in this way can help you have a better understanding of self, and so I utilize YouTube as much as possible as well, and even these books, I make make copies for my clients for pages that I feel is helpful for them, but definitely trans bodies, trans selves for everybody.
0: Okay, I'll definitely will (laughs) include all of those in the show notes. So is there any news that you'd like to share, Adrian? any upcoming events or any trainings that you have? Yeah, definitely. On our
1: website, um, gsdiversity.com, you can see the list of our trainings and opportunities for me to come out and speak with your organization and just to talk through um, some of the the barriers to healthcare and, and things like that. So, the training dates this year would be we have one in May, one in September, and one in November. And then again, we go out, and um, if you request a training, we will come out and do that. Um, I also have a website, and that's com, And my Instagram is the same Therapy. Um, And you can find a lot of information there in terms of upcoming training, my upcoming speaking opportunities, Um, and if you would like for me to come out and speak to your organization about gender and sexuality, I definitely love doing that and fill half of my time with speaking, actually, so it's been really good.
0: Very cool, and I will include links to all of your information because I'm sure some people will want to get in touch with you um, to ask more questions or to schedule you for a training.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Well, thank you for spending some time with us today, Adrienne. I really appreciate it.
1: Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. I know I could talk about this for (laughs) so long and there's so (laughs) many terms and everything, but I just hope that the audience really leaves with more questions than they had coming in listening to this and continue to reach out and have a better understanding of the community. But thank you so much for having me and giving me the platform to talk about this topic.
0: You're welcome. I'm very grateful that Adrienne was able to share her expertise with us today. To check out all the amazing resources she shared, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 58. And please be sure to share your thoughts about the episode with us on social media. You can use the hashtag TBG in session, and you can also tag our accounts. You can find us on Twitter at therapy4bgirls, the and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Therapy for Black Girls. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com tribe. Make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thank y'all again for joining me this week, and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take care.